Hey guys, welcome to the Babylon Pastors Podcast, sponsored by ODG Apparel. I am one of your hosts, Michael. And I'm Rob. Glad you're here to listen in while we talk about church, theology, and everything in between. Hey welcome to the Babylon Pastors Podcast. How are you doing? The AMR. Join your hosts, Michael Moore and Rob Don't Judge Me Grundon. Man, I know it's your middle name. I've known you for a long time. <laughs> it's actually one word. Don't ask me how to spell that. No. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's foreign. At some point, right, your, pe- yeah. your people right. came. Yeah. Hmm. Ah, today, we're talking about my sexiness. No, that's not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about more. Last week, with relationships and marriage. We're talking. Yeah, if you want to hear that, that's uh, click. That's clickbait. Uh, so, so uh, today we're actually talking about moralism and uh, church discipline in relation to Christianity. So um, those two things they connect a bit. So we're going to get into those because I think lots of times, as we've talked about with the other subjects, Rob. Uh, the kind of the ideas of the world get into the church in relation to some of these things, and it causes some problems. So let's start first with moralism in relation to Christianity. Do what? What is moralism? Well, it would be a a standard of good, uh, someone's standard of good, unless I don't know the definition, in which case I'm wrong and I need you to tell me. But I think moralism would be... (laughs) <laughs> the standard of good, someone's someone's specific standard of good. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. What is the actual definition? I'm looking this up. <laughs> and welcome to the level of preparedness we have for yeah. this podcast. Yeah, this is entitled Moralism and Church Discipline. What's more? Let us check the definition. <laughs> okay, yeah, it says the practice of moralizing, especially showing a tendency to make judgments about others. Yeah, so that would be a standard. Yeah. Yep. Yep. See, I'm intelligent. Who said that? Good work, bro. Good work. All right. Join us next time as we define terms. Dropping the mic. No, don't do it. Don't do it. It's a bad financial choice. We discussed this. (laughs) Yikes. All right. So, moralism. Uh, I think one of the reasons that this is an important topic in relation to Christianity is because. Uh, out of everything we've talked about, I think this is one of the top tier things that sneaks into the church and then affects how Christians deal with situations, all sorts of situations. Um, and I know I'm going to make some people upset when I say this, but uh, you have to ask by what standard you are going to be judging something. Like what standard, what lens of, of right and wrong are you looking at something through? And that comes back to how you would morally look at something because there's people that would say that it's totally moral to kill babies or uh, it would be totally moral to uh, or, or right. They might not use the word moral, but it would be totally right for someone to, to cheat on their spouse or get a divorce if we talked about before. Um, so the idea of moralism and your standard of right and wrong have a lot to do with how you process the world. Um, and I think that's why it's important because it's snuck into the church 
in such a degree that sometimes we hold up our own standard and we don't even know that it doesn't, it's not in line with the scripture. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, as you're talking, it came to me, I, like, I think there are definitely two sides, um, as with literally everything else, I guess, but <laughs> yeah, newsflash. Now there, there are two sides to that coin within the church that happens. One of them you and I grew up with, um, and the word is Pharisaic, right? It's, which is a fancy way to say like the Pharisees in the Bible, when they, they were all about the rules, all about the, the works that you're supposed to do as a believer, or at that point, as a, as a good Jew. Right. Um, and so that's kind of what we grew up with where it was literally you obey these rules or you might not be saved tomorrow kind of stuff. Right. And, um, and some of the rules that you had to abide by were not the biblical standard. They were above and beyond the biblical standard, like dancing, right? The, the obvious things, right? Like there, there are things there that, that are, that get picked on a lot, but it's because they're, I'm going to make a word up. They're pick onable. Okay. Hey, That's, put that yeah. down. Yeah. Right. I'm going to try to spell that and publish it somehow. Um, but that, that there is that standard, right? And then there's the, honestly, what is more and more happening within the church that is the newer, younger, millennial-ish and younger standard, which is don't judge me, right? <laughs> I mean, that's why I actually jokingly began with that because yeah. that the other standard is, you know, homosexuality is okay as long as you love Jesus and all these other things that creep in and we just allow them and there isn't a standard biblically that we're holding people to or we're holding people to like this extreme yeah. ridiculous standard that like the point that Jesus died is because we couldn't hold to that standard. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a middle ground that we have to reach there. Yeah. So I think one of the ways, and this could maybe tap into what you're actually preaching through at your church right now, but there's a way to, uh, to biblically communicate to a community of believers, to Christians, what our standard should be. And obviously for me, uh, that would come through the text, which is again, why it's very important to understand what scriptures say so that we know what that standard is, what that, what that, that, that bar is. And I think what you're going through right now, uh, as far as what you're preaching through on the Sermon on the Mount is a great place to start on that because it's not an objective thing for us. It's basically Jesus rehashing uh, of the law and why that's important um, in communicating things. So, I mean, there's certain things I know you've already mentioned in previous podcasts that you're going through, but you're going to be going through a lot more. So as far as marriage and divorce and lust and all of those things that we can say, well, we think this about, but if we go back to the scriptures, we see that that standard's been set. So it's not really a, it's not a fluid morality here. It's not that I get to pick and choose. It's this is what Jesus says. And then we have to either submit to that um, or not. Yeah. I think the, the, um, <laughs> the main point to the human's doom of that, the little section that we're in right now in Matthew, which is Matthew 5, really 1 through 48, uh, all the whole chapter, but the, it ends with 
um, the very last verse in the chapter, Jesus kind of sums up part of the point, and he says, you are supposed to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So that's that's the standard, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. If we want to talk about actual, real, biblical standard, that's the standard. And that is what makes um, this kind of liberal idea where we can just bring whatever we want in and just God is love and Jesus is love, right? Read the Old Testament, he kills lots of people. It's not just about that, right? Um, but uh, we bring this other fluffy stuff into the church and so we don't hold people at all to the biblical standard or we come up with these arbitrary things like don't dance publicly and whatever else you want to throw in there. In case you guys didn't know, that's a real thing that people used to say. So yeah, that's, that's no a joke. real thing. Probably still written in there. I don't know. But uh, anyway, I, I've been absolved of that for quite some time now, but, um, but it, it's, or we, we create these other crazy standards that, are really they're just arbitrary things that you know uh, maybe some of it scripture doesn't teach about right like how do we go from country music is okay to if you put distortion on a guitar in a worship song it's no longer worship but it's satan's music mm -hmm. right but yet i'm going to listen to garth like it doesn't make any sense don't and you touch if, garth <laughs> if the standard is perfection and it is then the point really isn't the rules as much as the point is you can't do it. That's why I'm doing it right now. I'm Jesus. I'm living for you in a way you could never do it. I'm perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect. So it, the, the whole idea behind all the stuff that we're talking about in Matthew is this idea that Jesus has introduced this kingdom, Matthew 4, 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's introducing the kingdom that he's bringing into, you know, and he's the king of this kingdom. It's his kingdom. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching the disciples specifically what it is supposed to look like to be a citizen within this kingdom. Right. Mm -hmm. So he gets into a lot of those standards, um, a lot of the Jesus standards. And he brings up specifically in the section that we're in right now, he brings up a rule right? A standard, one of the Ten Commandments in a lot of cases. Um, and they would have all understood what that meant. And then he says, no, no, but that's actually not good enough. That's not the point. That's the rule, but the rule has a heart behind it, right? That, and the heart is what matters. So it's actually a big long thing if, to get into, but uh, the, the idea behind it being there is, there is a moral standard. There is. Um, and the moral standard being be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect, unreachable, right? I mean, it is, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that we don't strive to be that way, to reach that. We don't, we have to strive to be like Jesus and then depend on him when we're not essentially. Mm -hmm. So, so we can't, we can't preach more and hold people to more and condemn them uh, if they break the rules. All, all, but, but at the very same time, we can't like let anything and everything into the church and just be like, well, he died for me. So, you know, I'll smoke this if I want, you know, that's not how it works. Right? <laughs> well, I think that's a good, I think it's a, it's a good point and balance you bring there where it's a, it's a sense of saying that, okay, so your moral standard that you have 
because I mean, like we've talked about before in Romans, it says that everybody has, you know, God has written on your heart, this, yeah. this knowledge of him. So there's this idea. And this is why, for example, you do whenever injustice happens or something bad happens, there's something in you that wells up that says this isn't right. Uh, but again, that's only the, the base of what he's written on your heart. So when you come in, for example, if you, if you're, you get saved automatically, you're like, well, I think I know what right and wrong is. And then you understand that, okay, there's a piece of that we understand, but our understanding of morality and what's right and wrong is really, like you said, Jesus goes, well, this is it, but you don't fully get it. Um, and we have to understand that. Okay. So we, we understand that there's a right and wrong, but Jesus is, the one that clarifies that standard for us to totally like the full understanding of what that looks like and how that's lived out and uh, you know, how we should direct that and understand that and submit to that. Um, and which I think is a good segue into, for example, so the second part of this is church discipline. So there's something that when you become a Christian and some of you may have never heard this term before, there is something known as church discipline. Um, it's not a matter of, um, <laughs> it's it is it's a it's a matter of understanding that there is a standard by which the body is supposed to be held to which is is why one of the reasons that there's elders and leaders in the church um and it's not just a, i come here to get a and this is again why i harp a lot on like this isn't just a glorified ted talk with jesus in it like the church <laughs> so we we've talked about before so our marriage and relationship the episode we did we talked about how marriage is this bigger picture of Jesus and his church. Well, the church itself is also a picture to the world of what our covenant to God looks like. Like it's a picture of the family of God, a group of changed people together, and what that looks like to live that out with one another. Part of that has to do with the fact that sometimes there is discipline that needs to happen within the family of God to where we call each other to account in a very loving, gracious way but there's also a submission to that being called account to. And if we don't do that, there's a thing called church discipline. Um, some of you may have never heard that before. Some of you guys might think that, for example, us say uh, like a pastor coming and saying, Hey, this is a sin that we see in your life. This is something that you're, you're deliberate about. You're unrepentant about. So you're not going to be part of a lot. Of, I, I'm sure you might go into this. Some churches, when they, you know, apply church discipline, they say, okay, you can't be a part of the Lord's Supper anymore. You're cut off from the table. And for some of you, you might not even understand what that is. That's communion, taking of the elements with the body. You're, like, you, you're, you're cut off from that. Uh, along with that, you can't be in any leadership position. You're not, I mean, you can come here, but there are certain aspects that families, members of the family of God get that you're not allowed to have right now because you're deliberately living in unrepentant sin. But um, you could probably expound on that a bit more. So um, I wrote a paper um, on church discipline because it was a question in the youth group at one point. And so um, I did some more extensive research. And on top of that, uh, we've gone through situations in this church where we've had to do this thing right mm -hmm. and i think sometimes church discipline gets like this negative this negative thing behind it and and it's thought of as negative negative stuff to do and sometimes it is right but but honestly church discipline is is a very positive thing because 
the goal in church discipline isn't to bend your kid over the knee and spank them right with the belt. The, the goal of church discipline is restoration mm-hmm. and reconciliation and peacemaking, right? Like that's really the goal is to, is to um, proclaim the gospel in that way. Right. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing, the reason it ties into moralism and, uh, that sort of thing in the standard is because there is a standard by which we are supposed to judge one another. Mm-hmm. I know that one of the most famous overused phrases on the planet is don't judge me. And it's one of the phrases that I hate almost more than any other thing anyone could say, because it's total and complete garbage. And you're simply giving yourself a license to sin. I'm talking to you. Don't say, don't judge me, right? Like that's stupid. We're supposed to do that. In um, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, we're told to judge ourselves. Like we're supposed to even hold ourselves to a certain standard. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? And he goes on. But the whole idea is we're supposed to do this to ourselves even, right? You're supposed mm-hmm. to judge you. Um, and not just by any arbitrary whatever, but by... The, the standard that Jesus sets, right? Secondly, we are supposed to judge one another as Christians. It's part of the mandate. Um, and uh, also in Corinthians, do you not know that the judge or the saints will judge the world? If the world is to be judged by you. Or you and he talks about this, and there are other scriptures that this is demonstrated. Um, it's a thing. It's a thing within the church. We, If you claim the name of Christ over your life, I now have an actual obligation to hold you to that standard um, and vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the people in my church, I want them to come to me and say, hey, we've noticed such and such, right? It's, it's much more loving for them to do that and for me to be restored and move toward repentance and getting back in line with that standard than it is for them to just go, oh, we shouldn't judge him, you know? Mm-hmm. That's not okay, um, because then we just live in our sin, <laughs> That's in, mm-hmm. which, again, not okay. So there, there's a very real sense that, um, that we have a, a response, part of our responsibility to love one another is and includes peacemaking, church discipline, um, coming alongside someone who's struggling, who's failed, who whatever. Um, I mean, it's a thing and it's an important thing. Well, I think you make a good point there. And I'd probably even miscommunicated a little bit there when I was describing it, but it's one of those things that we do have to realize it's a restorative process. That's the point. Yeah. The reason you're cut off from certain things is to show you that uh, the, the, there is a need to be restored to something that there, that sin cuts you off from um, God, the body, and in, in so much doing, it's trying to draw you back in and saying there is, there's, it's this, this relationship with God in the body is so much better than whatever this other thing is that you think is important right now. Um, and drawing you back to that standard. And that's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is a matter of, of this, this mutual accountability and com- continually preaching the gospel to ourselves and to one another and reminding ourselves of that. I mean, that accountability there amongst believers that honestly, you won't get, I, I'm going to speak for myself, that I haven't seen in other, any other form of relationship that I've had outside of the church. So most time friends, right? They just want to be quote unquote allies or supportive. So they'll let you do whatever. 
because they just want you to be happy. Do whatever you want. If this isn't the thing for you, whereas Christians will call other Christians to account. So for example, there's guys that I've known before that I've sat down with that aren't Christians that talk to one another and they're right, having marriage problems. And one of the guys goes, Hey man, if you just, you guys aren't in love anymore and you're not happy, like maybe you need to look, you know, for another situation that does make you happy. Whereas a Christian brother is going to sit down with this Christian brother and say, Hey, you know, like we've talked about in previous podcasts, this is like, this isn't an eject button for you. Like this is an opportunity for you guys to grow, whatever that, I mean, not to lessen the stress of whatever that circumstance is, but just to give you an example of those different conversations out two two people that aren't Christians talking to each other about marriage, aren't going to, they're going to be like, Hey, whatever makes you happy, man, you go do that. You do you. Um, whereas two Christian brothers are going to sit down or two Christian sisters are going to sit down and draw each other and preach the gospel to one another, even if that's hard to hear sometimes for the glory of the gospel and for restoration and repentance. So, yeah. Yeah. I, in my, um, a, a clear, um, clear difference in, in standards and what you're talking about, like right now in the world, more, more plainly than ever before, we're seeing an entire society say, this is how I want to live. You can't tell me what to do and I'm not going to tell you what to do. So go enjoy. Right. Mm -hmm. This is why now we have people who think all of a sudden there's more than boy and girl. Right. And there, um, and now all of a sudden homosexual marriage is considered marriage. And frankly, the state and nobody else has the authority to define marriage because God is the one that created it. So it's actually not a marriage, but, but like all these things, we just say, this is what I think is right. So it's right for me. Right. Mm -hmm. It's all about you and being whatever you want and pleasing you and no matter. And I think that the bottom line behind that is um, as Christians, we don't live to please us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael doesn't live to please me. I don't live to please you. Uh, We both must live to please God and Mm -hmm. we both have responsibility to one another and to God to see that that happens. Um, And one of the examples in my divorce research uh, for this sermon, I've looked at a couple of um, YouTube videos where these guys were naming off uh, reasons to get a divorce or signs you need to get a divorce. One of them was called um, this one guy's a life coach, which is... (laughs) whatever that means right people get paid for that i'm not sure how how that happens counselor with no degree whatever (laughs) um but this it's like uh he he actually they start off most of them with actual maybe reasons right like um cheating on you over and over again like um abuse was one of the top and you know there's a case for that biblically Mm -hmm. um but then the, the last thing, this, this one guy I listened to had all these reasons. And then at the very end, like I was thinking, okay, well, this, this isn't terrible. And then the last reason he said, um, what is it? The last reason that he listed is uh, your purpose. If God tells you, quote, right? If God tells you that that person is holding you back from being who you need to be. And then I just stopped listening. Because like, that's all the ammunition you need, right? Like that, that is an example of that whole idea of you. It's all about you, right? And 
as long as life is about you, then you make your own standard, right? And, and it is what it is. Go, you do you, right? As you said before. Um, but us, if we're claiming to be disciples and followers of Jesus, if we're claiming to be Christians, it doesn't only include I believe in God or I believe Jesus was a person. It's I believe Jesus was the son of God and the king of the universe and the creator of all things. And I'm going to serve him and do what he says to do and live by his standards, which are vastly higher than whatever I would come up with for me. Yeah. Because it's about pleasing me otherwise. And it's not in real life. So yeah. yeah. I think that's why these two things fit together perfectly. Uh, because it is a matter of, so we have to define what the standard is morally. And we have to understand that obviously those outside of the church and those inside the church have a different standard to that. And then secondly, being okay with, I think this is the biggest issue, being okay with being called to account on that yeah. and, and, and saying, okay, I did screw up. And I, you know, I'd be, and I think this is where, because church discipline sometimes has been done so poorly that people are adamant that I don't have to listen to you. You don't have to, you know, I, I just don't have to, I can do, you know, I'll go repent over here. But if church leaders understand that, like, okay, I'm going to approach this person with the idea of restoration. Now, again, people are always going to be receptive to that. But as Christians, we need to understand when we're part of the body, like we've, we've put, okay, just listen real close people. Cause a lot of you don't understand this. When I go to a church and I'm part of that body, I am saying I'm submitting to the authority of the elders of this church. So whenever they, and now again, this is assuming that they are exercising their authority in a biblical manner. And I think there's a distinction to be made there. There's people that abuse that authority that disqualify themselves from being in that authority and you listening to them. But there are people, godly men that are in positions of authority that are eldership that follow the word that do deserve to be submitted to because they're preaching the word and they're trying to restore you. Like just because they tell you that you're wrong, doesn't mean that you can buck their authority, especially when they're preaching the Bible. So. Yeah. And, and um, it's, it's also important um, to note that most of the time when we say, for example, submitting to their authority, most of the time, if, if it's being done correctly, most of the time it doesn't feel like you're submitting to someone's authority. Right? Yeah, exactly. Most mm -hmm. of the time it just feels like, hey, good leadership, you know? Yes. And so, and so there will be good followership, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like most of the time. Where it gets a little hairy is in this situation. Like when you um, are dealing with someone who is living in sin or who has stepped into sin or whatever, who's failed in some way um, publicly or with a spouse or however that looks, but in, in such a way that now you need to confront them and talk to them. Um, it, it, the knee jerk reaction to probably every person with a beating heart is defense, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it just is. I, I and no one else on the planet likes being told, hey, you're wrong. <laughs> Jesus and the woman at the well. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, exactly. Right? Uh, we, don't, we don't like that whole idea because we, it's about us, like in our heart even. It's, it's hard to get around that. And, um, but, uh, but the way that this whole thing works, right? Okay, so a good example. There's a reason 
that Jesus says, um, actually in Matthew, it's going to be coming up soon in chapter seven, uh, where he says that uh, get the log out of your own eye so that you can see clearly to get the speck out of your brother's eye. So he's saying multiple things there. One, you are responsible to get the speck out of your brother's eye. It doesn't go away. Your brother can't just look at you and say, don't judge me, right? It's not a thing. It doesn't exist in Christianity for you to be able to say that. Um, so you do have a responsibility to get that speck out of your brother's eye, but you better come into that humbly, right? It goes kind of back to what we were talking about in a previous podcast about communication online or whatever. Like you have to go about this in such a way that you're humble. You realize that I'm, Hey, I'm a sinner too. I don't come to you as someone who's better than you or who's trying to sound uh, superior in any way. I'm coming to you because I suck as well. And we need to chat mm -hmm. because I've been seeing some stuff. And, um, you know, it, no matter how well you, good you are at that, it, it's going to be hard. And it's not always going to start off with you sounding like, I just care about you. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. work like that necessarily. But if you do it correctly, then the other person isn't naturally just going to be like, you know what, I'm, I'm going, right? Um, and... Uh, in my experience, there's a lot of times when that sort of happens and the other person who's being confronted uh, does give you kind of the, you know what, I don't need to hear this. Um, but then they go home and think about it and realize, no, no, that's actually right. There's some examination that happens and then, um, then they might come back totally different. And that initial knee-jerk reaction to play defense is there. It just is. Um, but if we're, if we're holding them to an undeniable standard and you can't hold somebody to a standard that's not black and white clear in scripture, if it's just some tradition, don't even stop it. You have no authority there, right? Mm -hmm. You can't tell me how to do communion, right? Yeah. But, that's, uh, a, that's a really good point, yeah, to separate biblical from what you grew up with. Yeah. what that looks like. So that that's a really important distinction. I think it goes back to what you said before, as far as like, so it's not a matter of like, um, well, now I'm blanking, but the idea, oh, so what you said about the extreme. So the no dancing, you can't point out in scripture where that's a thing. Uh, but understanding that, not, not appealing to tradition, but appealing to scripture, which is hard for some people, especially if you've grown up in a tradition forever and have just assumed some things rather than actually read them in scripture and, you know, to, to see the difference. Cause uh, unfortunately it is a thing where you grow up in a church for so long and you assume that this thing is a biblical thing, but actually it's a tradition thing. And you yeah. didn't know that because you've never come against it before. So. Yeah, we actually know um, I've actually been in conversations with people regarding that kind of thing. So um, many of the hearers of this podcast listeners might not know, but where, where I preach and teach and stuff, we're kind of going through a replant, if you will. Um, and so we're kind of in start over mode in a lot of our ministries and ways we do things. There have been hard conversations that we've had to have over the past few years. Um, and at times those conversations have gone something like, look, I realize how important that particular thing is to you. It is just an opinion and a preference and tradition kind of thing. And we just, we don't feel like that's what we should do. Mm -hmm. If it's that big of a deal and it's hard for you to worship, 
then here are some other places that you could try and maybe you'll be able to worship and grow better. Right. And those aren't easy conversations because some no. people uh, who have had to hear that kind of stuff have been at this particular church for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So that distinction is really important. The only standard that we can have for any moralism or, or judging one another or uh, church discipline, restoration, all that. The only standard is what is clear in scripture. That is it. That's where it ends and begins. Anything outside of that is opinion, period. That's all it can. Awesome. Good deal. So I think that pretty much sums it up, unless you have any closing remarks other than that. Yeah, not really. You're not allowed to drink ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Send all your emails to Rob at. <laughs> we'll just, I'll just leave that in the comment or in the description. Your email will just hook you up. People can send them your way. I actually had a pastor friend that referred to NyQuil as evangelical booze. It's hilarious. Was it like Betty in the back? Gone to, she's going to this Methodist church for years and she just. I'm really sick, Pastor. <laughs> I'm really sick. Yep. Take take a bottle at night to help you sleep. It's fine. Let's oh, Off to pray for Betty. Make sure she don't OD on that Nyquil. So that's not funny. The gal that's sitting in the office downstairs right now, his name is Betty. So we need to edit that out. Betty, we're not talking about you. I wasn't talking about you, Betty. I didn't even know you. <laughs> He's in Indiana. You know. You know how they are. <laughs> Wait, and that's all to it today with the podcast. Next <laughs> week, I'll be back by myself talking about. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> Hashtag I do me. You do you. All right. <clears throat> oh, we'll talk to you guys next week about life and death as it pertains to Christianity. Talk to you later. Go, Bye.